Welcome back to the Undecided Podcast. Today is Saturday, February 20, 2021. I'm joined here with my co-hosts, Daniel and Jonathan. How are y'all doing this week? It's been a, it's been a pretty, good, pretty good week for me. Um, I think I'm more motivated to just, to, to just do things. You know, it's been, it's been kind of tough to motivate myself to just like, get out of bed and like do normal stuff. But I think this week, it's, it's been a lot better. I'm not sure what changed, but... It's just been a better week for me. How about you, John? Yeah, this week was pretty good. Then gymming in the morning, like wake up at like, I go to gym by 7.30. So nice. then I have class around 9.40. So as long as I'm home before then, okay. I'm chilling. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the gym like three times this week. And yeah. I haven't been to the gym consistently since like And me, David, and Eric went to the gym. So. Oh, that's a long time ago. That's like a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, like two years ago, I think. So I think it's nice to just have like a sense of normalcy or something, like a sense of routine in my schedule because, you know, how everything's asynchronous now, um, you can do anything at any time. So just having something that is at the same time every day, it's really helped me just like <laughs> – you know, have a, have a normal schedule. So I, I really appreciate going to the gym. How about you, David? What'd you do this week? Uh, this week was pretty, pretty good as well. Um, school-wise, it was chill, but also um, I played ball this week, which was really nice. Um, I was there. Yeah, you were there. It was like actually twice this week, which was, which is really nice. It was super fun to see everyone and just put, I think we played more competitively actually than we usually do. Um, in the past really at summers yeah especially with um the define team breakup define competitively competitively that? i mean like um i think when we're playing the opposite of competitive would be like just chill where we just shoot around and someone makes a point we'll be like oh well let's let's make the other one and there's no like sense of i mean there is always a sense of competition but this time it's like oh we want to win like there's there's oh. more of that just because I think the last session we played, um, we we split into we split into teams and we just consistently played within those teams for like three hours, and it was basically like the teams were kind of like tall people versus short people in a sense. No man, I was on, <laughs> I was on the tall people team. I'm not tall at all. Okay, but on that on that tall people team, what I'm, what I'm calling the tall people team, there is a, a consistent. Of, Our other co-host Daniel, he's like super, super good at da- basketball, and it consists of like two other brothers, and those brothers are synergized. Holy moly! And there was one game where they lost, and then they, they're like, run it back, run it back. Yeah. And then yeah. they they stomped. Yeah, I don't know. Like I I think when I play with 
when with, with you guys, mm-hmm. I don't really care if I win or lose. Uh-huh. Um, I think with other groups, I'm more motivated to, to try to win and like, I get angry when I lose, but like when I'm with our group, I don't really care mm-hmm. if we win or lose, you know? Like why? <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe you just don't care about the game enough. Yeah. Maybe I realize it's just the game and um, I, I want to, I value our friendship, you know, and I don't more than like trying to win the game. I don't know. I guess I'm just not very competitive. Maybe I'm not sure. No, maybe, maybe it's that when you're with playing with us, you feel like a coach. You know, I've been getting a lot of lessons from Dan actually regarding shooting. Yeah. I really like just, um, just, just uh, helping people like, just like teaching them, um, you know, so in basketball, I'm always just helping out David and Eric and stuff. So with their shooting. But that's, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any uh, plans for Valentine's Day, Jonathan? Oh, uh, no. Like, I, do I think I just chill at home, to be honest. Okay. I spent yeah. my Valentine's Day with David. That's nice. <laughs> play, what do you call basketball. it again? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we were just... Uh, There's a term for that? What? Where you're hanging out with your bros and Valentine's yeah. Day? Yeah. Oh. Uh, single appreciation day Valentine's day i don't know <laughs> what do you guys do i don't know well we hung out in the morning like or the afternoon mm. which is morning for eric because he wakes up like really really late so we hang, hung out like 1 30 2 30 and then we kind of just played <laughs> basketball until the sun went down but david drove that day which is surprising because david never drives anywhere so I really want to play ball that day. <laughs> yeah, everyone's been so motivated to like play basketball. Uh, it's just been fun, more fun. I don't know what it is. Nice. All right, uh, so today I'm going to be moving on to the podcast topic. Where we will be talking about finding oneself. So to get this topic rolling, I'm going to start with by discussing the statement, just be yourself. So recently with uh, school ending, a lot of people are looking for internships and well, there's a lot of people are looking for jobs as people are graduating. And when you're in an interview, it's like really nerve wracking. It's like, oh, all these competition, I really want the job. So when people try to comfort you, I notice a lot of people say, hey, it's okay, just be yourself. And I'm like, or at least for me, when I hear that, a issue is what does it mean to be yourself and why do they say it like just be yourself is it that easy so the first question i had was like what does it mean to be yourself and what defines yourself dang we're starting out with a haymaker aren't we <laughs> Damn. um well let me try and answer the interview question thing mm-hmm. one thing that really helped me out with interviews I just stopped trying as hard. Um, yeah, just literally to stop trying as hard. I think what it means to be yourself is often just when you're around with your friends, you're not trying hard to be anybody, right? You just mm-hmm. are, and you just don't focus on doing something other than what you normally do. Put the energy in thinking about what you probably won't do in a normal situation. And so in an interview, I realized that I just stopped trying. I was was like, oh, okay. Some guy who's just asking me questions, right? And then like, oh, what did you do in the past? What are your past projects? And like, I did this, I did this. And I try to explain to 
him like as though I would explain to you guys, right? I just stopped trying. And then it, it worked. It just really worked. And um, in the interview sense, I think that's what they're trying to say. Um, don't, not, not to say that you shouldn't stop trying, but it's to say that don't put so much energy and thought into being somebody um, or trying to present yourself in a particular way. Just present yourself as though you would to your friends, I guess. But like not trying, do you just mean like just not thinking about that aspect of trying to be yours? Yeah. You just like. I, I took a sh- I took like two shots before an interview. <laughs> really? What What made you? Uh, what? Why did you, Why did you decide to take two shots before that? Um, because it was in the evening. And I didn't really care about it anymore. I was like, if I get the job, I'm gonna get the job because my skills are gonna show it, and then. If I don't get the job, well, I don't know. At that point, I just, like, just let all inhibitions go away. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it worked out. Yeah, I think we- I have a really similar story to you, Jonathan. Uh, it's, I didn't interview for, like, an Amazon job, but I, I interviewed for, like, a like a TA position for, um, for one of the bio classes that I took last year. And that week of the interview, I was just so stressed out with – I had, like um, – two like final reports too uh, I was getting uh, chewed out by my, my PI um, that week and it was just really stressful so when I did that interview I literally had no time to prep for it because I was just um, I had so much other stuff to worry about that when I went into that interview I just told myself all right um, I've got no prep uh, we'll, we'll just see what happens and you know I didn't try to put up a front or anything I kind of just was myself maybe I kind of just treated it as a conversation kind of like this where I kind of just spoke tried to speak like as authentically as possible and uh, I ended up getting it Um, that was like the the most recent interview that I've done but being oneself I think that's a very deep philosophical question Um, you know I think when someone asks just when who are you it's like like describe yourself they're looking for like buzzwords or you know they want to categorize you into into groups for example it's like describe yourself what the first thing you say is like uh i'm this job title or uh i'm studying this in school or um i enjoy this this and this you know they're they're trying to find adjectives so they can describe you yeah, um, and put you in, in boxes, you know, so they can kind of have like a better idea of you. So can I respond to like these idea of boxes? If you don't put yourself in boxes, right? What, how, how else would you describe yourself in a way that it wouldn't be putting in your box? Because I feel as though however you describe it, you call it a box, you can call it a set of people, you can call it whatever you want. But in order to describe yourself, you inherently need to put yourself in some set of people that are similar to you. And it is uh, in probably in like category theory, or probability theory, it is a joint of all of those sets that you are a part of that kind of more adequately describes you. So I don't know what you exactly, or like, I don't know, would you say it's a bad thing to be categorized and put into boxes? 
I wouldn't necessarily say it's a bad thing if it's the only if it's the only way we can describe ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think to an extent it could be a bad thing. You know, like we put ourselves in these boxes and we put labels to ourselves and after like making an impression on someone, they can have like preconceived ideas about you. And I think our interests and our our personalities change over time. So I think it can only be bad like if like you're put in that box and you're not allowed to get out of that box and be put in a new box. So what do you Yeah, think? I guess like it's not necessarily bad if you get placed in a box. It is bad when people refuse to look past that single box and find out what other boxes you also fall in and refuse to change their judgment about you. I guess that's when it can get a little caustic. No, like saying you are you are the, the average of the five closest people that you interact with in a day in a day-to-day basis. Right? How do you think that thing, first of all, how do you think that question plays with today's topic? How do you define yourself? Do you, would you say you define yourself as the average of the five closest people uh, that are close to you? My, my, I'm just going to say that I disagree with that, but we'll, we'll get to my opinion later. Wait, but average, do you mean like the way people act? They like take Maybe. in mm-hmm. everything from them and then they kind of like are middle of everything? Okay, maybe average isn't exactly the right word to use because average is an operation that you would just apply. But let's say you take your five closest friends, you do some operation, you like like take the extremes or you take the inverse of all, like a few of them, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm trying to put it in like a mathematical sense kind of, but uh, you don't necessarily have to. I could see myself being influenced a lot by by the five closest people, like their thoughts and their way of thinking, the way they view life. I'm like pretty exposed to it because I see them, I interact with them the most, but I don't think it's necessarily like a average. I think um, even though I'm exposed to their views, I interpret it a different way too. So it wouldn't make me like, so like if they view something a certain way, I'm not gonna react the exact same way to that. So. I don't think it's like an average of all of them. I think it would just be like getting influenced by all of them in a certain way, but it's not like exactly the same, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I have uh, problems with that statement as well. Um, I think I agree with like the general sentiment of it, but I don't like the word average because, you know, that implies like... Let's throw the word average out of the picture. Let's just say some combination or some... You can take the five people you don't know, like, and you can do this black box it, and then somehow it spits out. Okay. Yeah. So average is not a good word for this, but I do think like the people you surround yourself with mm-hmm. kind of affect what your values are and um, yeah, what your values are, when your interests are, for example, like if you like grow up in a house with a specific set of values, then you're more likely to retain those values over time and like keep that keep that close to you um you know like I think I have very similar values to my family um I think the people you surround yourself with like like friends you encounter you know your your goals start to align and then 
you know, you, you try to achieve the same goals or like you want to like outdo the other person. So there is like a competitive aspect in, in that, but I don't think it's five people. You know, I think it's multiple people and, you know, I think who we are changes over time because the experience, the, the people we meet, the experiences that we have, we have created over time, it changes, like it changes us very in very like small ways, but we just can't really see. I don't know. Yeah. I think both of you guys bring up really good points. Like the first um, reservation we kind of want to make about this kind of saying is that, yeah, this average, this idea of averaging is not right. When you interact with someone, your closest friend might be someone who actually thinks very differently from you, right? You might take what they think and you might actually internalize it from its converse perspective, right? Be like, I know he thinks of it like this, but that only reinforces my belief of the opposite, right? And so we kind of have this opposite, inverse offer like relationship. And so that's just one example. All I'm trying to say is that, yeah, this average idea is just not right. There's something more complex that goes on when we talk, interact with these five people closest to you. Now this idea of five people, Dan, I really like what you said. It, it's not five, it's, it's N number of people. It's any number of people that, and it depends on the person, right? Some people are influenced by the maybe three closest people they interact with, right? Or maybe some people are like, and so on. It's, ar it's an arbitrary number that isn't really important in the thing. I guess the sentiment underneath it though, right? Once you kind of abstract these kind of uh, fine details out, it makes, it's something I can get behind. It's just that the thing as it is, the average of five people, that's something that I don't really agree with. I think that's just because this thing was trying to appeal to a larger like, audience, you know, like in order for a larger, more people to really like, get to think about this kind of thing, you kind of have to put these concrete average, concrete five number of five people in order for people to start like, hmm, all right, is it five people? You know, yeah. no one's so, going to listen to a thing be like, and never mind, I think I got my point yeah. across. So I guess like we all agree that um, the five people statement is just an overgeneralization, but we kind of just agree with the sentiment of it. Yeah. yeah. So going off of that, like, seems like everyone's like heavily impacted by the people that they're surrounded with, like their environment. So like a question that could be brought up is, is there like, is the definition of oneself, can it be defined outside of the environment like what is oneself without the environment like your genetic code like, like are is like are people when they're born are they all born differently or oh okay i think i know what you're saying like are they all like shaped by their environment and then yeah. they become who they are yeah I, is I, nature I versus nurture i yeah is that nature versus nurture okay i had a conversation with haywell about this a couple months ago um uh, I think there is a genetic component to it. Like uh, you have a, you have a, like a fixed genetic code sequence that, you know, that, <clears throat> which like determines just, just like fixed things, concrete things. And then you also have like an environmental aspect. And that is like, 
uh, who raised you, what kind of environment you grew up in. Because like, um, like when you're a kid, that's like the, the, um, the most critical time, like when like our brain develops and that's kind of like when we kind of identify what our values are, what kind of people we want to like align with ourselves. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a complex answer, I guess. Uh, so my answer would probably be just, you know, there's a genetic component as well as an environmental component. Wait, but by the genetic component, is it kind of similar to like, let's say in games, like, like such as Pokemon, they have the nature like jolly and like aggressive or what is that? Um, they're like different natures from the start. Is it kind of like that? Like genetics being kind of like the personality one's born with? Mm-hmm. Is there a personality one is born with? Like a, a, or let's say like nature, nature of the person. Okay. Yeah, like are they more predisposed to be more irritable when you're mm. referring to stuff like that? Yeah. So let me try to tackle this from like a more like biopsych kind of perspective, right? Mm. So again, this all depends on how we define you. We've had a lot of conversations about the complex definition, the recursive definition of you, right? But let me just make the assumption right now that we're talking about you from the perspective of just the connections in your brain. Okay, let's just start out with a definition like that, okay? You are simply the combination of all the connections in your brain, okay? This is not a great definition because you are also the muscles on your body, you know? And we can go on about arguing about that, but let's just go with this. All right, from a like a biopsych perspective, we know that like from early experiments in the 18th, you've heard of Phineas Gage and how when the, he was in an accident where there was a metal rod that shot through his head. He uh, was perfectly fine though after, like health wise, but after he was, re- he was a lot more irritable than he used to be. Okay. I believe if my memory serves me right, it's because it, went right through his amygdala, okay? And this left him, his personality to be a lot more irritable. Now let's talk about 1960s, where we didn't even know enough about our brains. I, do you know who, um, what's her name? Uh, Rosemary Kennedy, it's a hidden Kennedy. Is this she the one where she a, was like um, in her house alone for like the first 13 years of her life or is that? No, 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 that, that's, that's, uh, that's totally different. That's. That's, um, okay. I know which one you're talking about. That's, that's because her parents abused her. The yeah. hidden Kennedy is a John, um, John F. Kennedy's sister. Okay. Um, she had a personality disorder and they did a frontal lobotomy. They just cut out her prefrontal area. Back then we literally did not know enough about the brain. So the best way we try to treat things like epilepsy and like personality disorder was to go up here and just snip, snip, snip because we have, and just like hope that cutting a few circuits would do something. We literally did not know anything about the brain, you know? And what was the response to this? How does this tie into our conversation of you and personality? Well, you talk about people like Henry Malayason, more uh, famously known as HM, the patient who after having his medial temporal lobe uh, cut, he couldn't remember his short-term brain, uh, short-term memories, okay? His personality didn't change from that, but there were also other patients 
who underwent the same procedure, previous to the surgery, they were very angry and very irritable, irritable person. And they actually, one guy actually almost tried to kill his wife before the surgery. Fast forward after, he was described as being a much more cheerful individual, very positive attitude and very outgoing. Towards, and this is all to say that, okay, if we're talking about um, just like from a bio-psych perspective, who, if we say that personality is a big component of what you is, are, then I would say that genetics does play a big factor in this, right? Because genetics has a big um, say in how we wire our brains from conception, right? And, but as we grow older, right, these connections in our brain are, are altered, right? Neuroplasticity, right? And you, you know all those psych terms. Yeah, um, neuroplasticity. Over time, we develop associations as we live our lives to alter the baseline connections that we have in our brains, right? So these two points are to say that if we define us, our personality, as what's up here in our brain, then it is a combination of both, right? It is both the, the computer code that we are given from birth that allows us to initially, the initial state of our brain, initial connections, as well as the ever-changing connections that we make with lifetime. So when someone says, oh, don't try to be someone you're not, like when you're trying to um, put up a front or like you're acting in a way that you usually don't usually act, mm -hmm. uh, how do you feel about that if you're able to like change your personality through like changing like the wiring of your brain or so is your question like, what do I feel about that saying from a neuroscience perspective? Yeah, from from Jonathan's perspective. <laughs> uh, like I get where the thing saying is coming from. I think a lot of things that we say in everyday speech are like, what I think about that is if you're trying to be someone that you are not, what you're trying to do may be that, I mean, you were you when you were trying to be someone else, right? Okay. Doesn't that make whatever you just did that other people interpreted as not being you, isn't that still really you, Yeah. right? And it's just because of other people's perspectives or their judgments about you and how you should be, right? That make them say that, that you shouldn't be someone who you aren't. It's because they think that you are actually this, but you can be all of this, right? Yeah. And going back to that box idea, right? They place you in a box and uh, they expect you to be that box. But the moment you try to leave that box, they tell you to not leave that box. Yeah. It's because um, I brought that up because I remember when we went to college, like when we were in our first year of high school, we would see all these people who in high school were like this this were in these boxes and like we placed them in these boxes but then when we went to college and we saw them like on social media and we saw them acting in a way that didn't really fit in those boxes and we kind of just always just called them out they're like man they're just they're uh you know they're they're trying to um they're posers you know they're, they're trying to uh be someone they're not it's not a bad thing right and i yeah, feel like society has placed us in a weird awkward position where 
the moment we try to be someone that we aren't, right? Let's say I start, I want, I want to start streaming, right? A lot of people might actually be like, you know what? Maybe that's not a good idea because what if like the people around me are just like, what are you doing? Like, that's not you. Like, why are you trying to be a streamer? You know, like, and you get in, you get afraid of that. You get afraid of your peers' judgments when that can be you. That is a leaf on this tree that we call the branches of who you can be. And because of other people having a limited view of what you can be, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that you will never become that. And so I think that's something you can, we can change. Yeah. Uh, at least for me, the, the group in high school is kind of different from the group I associate myself in college. I, and, you know, I have a different role in the group. I think in, in high school, I think I'm more vocal and I'm like one of the more vocal people in the group and uh, like I'm a lot more talkative. But then when I am in other groups, like in college, I feel, I feel more soft-spoken at times and it's harder for me to get my voice out. Um, so I can like feel the sh- like a very distinct change in um, my my personality and and how I say things and how I present myself um, in, in two different groups. Have you guys ever ever experienced that before? Yeah, personally, I have actually. Um, not with friend groups. I think um, in regards to high school and college friend groups, I think I'm pretty much t- I play a very similar role in both friend groups. But definitely for like organizations I'm part of, such as like a business fraternity, I have to make myself very proper and try to try to speak not like a like a goon not like so casually <laughs> but i have to speak more professionally and i have to really care about like how i present myself like all those individuals in the organization like i feel like they're all very professionally developed too and they all have their it seems like they got their life together so i just want to present myself the same way too so in that organization when i'm in it i think I'm not truly who I am though. That's the the thing. I don't think I'm being my true self. It's like I'm putting up a front kind of. I was having a conversation the other day with someone here at Cornell and he knows I used to smoke a lot of weed, right? Back in high school. But it's not something I tell a lot of people here. Are you okay with us posting this episode in the future? Yeah, uh, it's fine. Okay. Back in high school, man, back in high school. yeah the conversation steered to the point where do you think you can truly be friends with someone if you know that you are if the other person doesn't know everything about you that they should I'm like well they do know everything that they want to know about me they never asked me whether I smoked in high school or not right so why does it's not like I have to be the one that says hey also by the way guys I smoked a ton of weed and I, I don't have to say that, you know? Like, and so my argument there was like, no, I don't think just because they don't know who you fully are doesn't mean that you can't make a meaningful connection with them. This is to say that I think the person in high school and the person I am here are different, not from an internalized perspective, but from like people around me. If you talk to me, if you look through the lens of another student back in Woodbridge and you look at John the Moon, there's a very different John the Moon in their eyes from a Cornell student looking at John the Moon here. Cornell John the Moon is a CS major 
who is kind of nerdy and uh, kind of you know, does his own thing. Um, yeah, so I, I totally vibe with that, Dan. It's kind of like a multiple personality thing, but also it's not multiple personalities. It's more like multiple, what would you call it? Identity? Are you saying that both Jonathans, Cornell Jonathan and Woodbridge Jonathan are an accurate portrayal of you, but yeah. just in different They're contexts. just a different slice of me, I guess. Okay. It's like the, the context calls for different personality traits. Yeah. To present. I like that. Nice. Yeah, I guess the environment has a factor in what side of you comes out. Yeah. Right? How we used to, yeah, go, right, ahead. go Go ahead. Finish your point. Finish your point. Uh, I kind of lost my train of thought there, oh, but sorry, man. can you respond to that? You want to respond to that? So we said, we said different, um, the context of the environment mm -hmm. expects different personality traits to come out. Um, yeah. I think that's why it, it's so jarring. Like when I introduce friend groups to each other, because, you know, like I, I have a certain way of presenting myself to one group and then I have a certain way of presenting myself to another group. And I remember like in high school, just like, it was just so weird to like bring friends home. And there, I don't know why I had a problem with it, but I think it's because I acted a certain way at, at home and then I acted a certain way at school. And like when I brought the two groups together, I just didn't really know how to, how to function, <laughs> you know, cause it was a, it was like overloading my brain or something. Would you say the friction there is because of you struggling to reconcile these two different slices of you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If they're if they're truly just slices of you, right? These slices. So when I mean slices, I mean they're just different. If we, if let's say we're just like a set of things, okay. And like when I mean a slice, I just literally mean just take like a few bits and pieces from this big bag. And now you have a smaller bag of things that you showed to some people. And then for the Cornell Jonathan, I have a different bag of things that I uh, show that, that is shown. Um, so when you actually merge these two groups together, right? Why is there a source? Why do you think there's a source of conflict? When these two bags, they have everything that you were, you know, you, you drew them from the bag that is you, right? So when you merge them back together, there should be no conflict because they're still you, right? I also struggle with that when I try to merge two different friend groups together because they are different slices of me. But are they really just different slices of me or are they really different me, you know? Yeah. Do you get what I'm getting at? Okay, so let's let's go back to the, the bag thing. Let's say like mm -hmm. your personality trait is like marbles. Okay. Yeah. So we got red marbles and blue marbles. And to one group, you show, you bring out the red marbles. And then to another group, to group B, you bring out the blue marbles. But then when you're, when A and B are together and you have to bring out the marbles and you show them A and B, group A is going to be like, you got blue marbles? I've never known, known that about you. And then same uh, vice versa for group B. You know, it's like, and then I guess like I'm afraid that they see a personality trait from me that they don't really associate themselves with and that might drive them away. You know, it's like, I don't want them to like know the real me because mm. I'm afraid that they won't accept the real me. Yeah. I really like how you put that. It's a very nice 
snippet capture of what we're afraid of right because they see the other colored marbles and we're we're afraid that that might alter this image that we so carefully constructed in presenting ourselves in a new environment like we go to cornell we're like oh i'm sorry we go to college and we were like oh shoot um i want to present myself in a very particular way right like i don't want to look like an idiot and so when we bring them yeah they they we're afraid that we they might construct some other image of you right and i think that ties into like one of the questions that david posted or brought up about like um it's about how are you how do you be comfortable with being you right i realize it's not on the write-up but it was a it was a question that he brought up in our conversation chat right i feel like it's a pretty decent segue and what is a good way so that we're, we don't feel awkward in those situations because we understand who we truly are and we should be happy when other people can see the other side, the red marbles or the other blue marbles that they didn't see. Why are we so anxious about that? And why can't we embrace and be joyful that they get to see a different side of you? Maybe it's, it's, um, it's like insecurity or... You just don't like that that part of you and you, like you're ashamed of that part of you even when you might not necessarily you might not necessarily have to be ashamed of that mm. like for example um for someone who's soft-spoken you know and they they're ashamed of that and they want to be more more vocal and they want to appear like they're not socially awkward or um, you know they they can assimilate with the group and like for someone who's soft-spoken they're ashamed of that that part of themselves and yeah i think that just that the question that you asked just stems from insecurity maybe another source could be when someone wants to acquire a certain skill to do or a certain personality and they want to become something else rather than like um it being based on insecurities it's just like something they wish they always had then they can change it in that way too because they can work on like acquiring a certain set of skills or a certain set of personalities. And that could be a motivation too. Like just with the overarching goal of becoming someone, more of someone they want to be. So David, you're saying um, rather than being ashamed of who we are, our personality, and just accepting our personality for who we are, we should work to change our personality so we can be proud of that. Well, I'm not saying like you should do that, but um, I'm kind of saying like that might be a reason why people like don't because like I think I think that's a valid that's a valid statement like for someone who is out of shape mm-hmm. and they are ashamed of their body image so they are motivated to exercise go to the gym eat healthy to change who they are so they can be more proud of themselves. Look, look the the question I had with that point is. Um, like, does that always have to be based off, like, like, shame, though? Like, with the body thing, like, are they always changing because they're ashamed of their body? Or, like, let's say they want to just exercise just because they want to be healthy. Does that healthy um, factor, is it based off them being ashamed of being, like, unhealthy? Or can there just be, like, a goal of just being healthy? And it doesn't have to be based off shame. Uh, well, in the context of, like, our conversation today and, and mm. I think there can be other other factors to have someone want to change their body image. Like they want to signal to other people, for example, but that's like, 
not within the scope of today's conversation. I think I think the point was I was just trying to bring up was do people change just because they're always unhappy with who they are? Oh, like is that the source of reason for change of everything? Like when someone tries to change themselves. Uh, short answer for me, no, because you can be happy with who you are right now, but you can also be greedy about the person you want to become. So you don't have to necessarily be unhappy with yourself for change. What lies beyond yourself may be valuable and you might strive for it. And that's why you might change. Mm. Right. You can be happy with a six pack, but like, what if you can get an eight pack? Yeah, mm, that's, that's, just, that's just a silly example of it. So I'm going to disagree with with um, only changing because you're unhappy with yourself. I think it comes back to like who you surround yourself with, right? You might not necessarily know that you're changing, but maybe your your values are changing. the The way you you phrase things changes. The way some the ideas you have change, and you might not even know. Like it, yeah, it good point. Very minuscule. So my, it's not just that you change because you're unhappy with yourself, but yeah. You change subconsciously, right? Every day, little by little. Little by little, yeah. yeah. Nice. That was a good point too. Jonathan, have you ever watched BoJack Horseman? No, I have not. Oh, it's one of my favorite shows on Netflix mm-hmm. all time. Uh, Do so you want to give me a little uh, summary of it or like a background? Yeah, so it's about a talking horse who was very famous in the 1990s because he was a actor on a very successful sitcom called mm-hmm. Horse and Around. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Full House, right? Where he he is a bachelor horse and he mm-hmm. takes care of three human children. Mm-hmm. And it's just a sitcom. But then like the 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 show takes place like in, in the 2010s, like after he's famous and uh, he's still got a lot of money, but he's just like miserable with himself. He's he indulges in like in drugs, alcohol, and he's just unhappy with himself. And he is like a very toxic person. And like all the people he encounters, like he ends up kind of just pushing away, pushing them away, and kind of just like m- making their lives worse because he's he's um, he's abusive. Not not abusive like physically, but like. Um, he's just not a Verbal. good friend. He's not a good mm-hmm. friend, and he makes bad decisions. Um, so there was this question raised in like season one, um, and he asked his friend, "Am I a good person?" Like he's like, "I need you to tell me, I'm a good person." Because like, um, and then the friend responds later that it's like, "I don't really believe in good or bad people. I think we're just people, and all the decisions we make, good or bad, you know, they." they're who we are as a person you know there's no there's no deep down it's you are the decisions that you make even like if you're ashamed of them and you want to change that's who you are and um, that will always be a part of you so like going back to you know like us in high school and the decisions we might regret do you think that still is a representation of us and you know can we ever um can we ever not be associated with like the bad decisions that we make or we just talked about how change can both be active and passive right um and i think passive changes can also be very uh drastic very big changes to who you are 
right? You and I have all done things that we probably look back in high school and don't think very nice of positively. Um, and I know for a fact that I can say, I'm sure you can say that the person you are right now is not the same person that you were once then, right? Now it's difficult because for other people, again, it's about this idea of the box, right? And how it can be toxic when people can't seem to take you out of one box and put you in another. If that's the image that they see of you, right? Or they see who you are and they see these red marbles from who you once were, right? Well, those marbles might are outdated, right? But now that they've seen you in that light, they again place you in a box with other people who have similar colored uh, marbles, right? And um, it's you can deny all you want that you are different and you can believe that you are different. But from society's perspective, it is very difficult to categorize you as anything but uh, the addition of who you are now and who you once were, you know? It's like kind of having like, like, like a outlier in your, in your, in your date, in your data, right? Like that outlier is going to bring all of the other, the mean down, you know? Um, I think in regards to like bad memories, I think, or like bad decisions you made in the past. I think, yeah, like Jonathan said, an outside perspective from another person's point of view, you're always going to be associated with that, especially if you haven't, had like any updates with them that's how if they if that was like your only interaction with a certain person that's how they always view you but in terms of learning or in terms of like shaping you as a person like those bad um bad experiences or, or bad memories like you could learn from them and it could you could kind of embrace it and if you think about it if that experience didn't happen then would you really be the same person as you are right now? So um, just to put an example out there, um, let's say hypothetically in high school, you said a lot of mean things, a lot of curse words, a lot of slurs, racial slurs, right? Let's say you did that. And then now in, um, okay, going back to the high school, you said a bunch of racial slurs and then someone called you out for it. And you didn't understand the meaning of it at the time. But now that you're in, uh, college you look back on it and you're like wow I shouldn't have done that and then it kind of snowballs and and changes like your view on saying racial slurs in a sense like let's say that experience of saying that didn't happen then the concept of saying mean things it wouldn't have like such a big impact on who you are and so you might re not realize the significance of it so I think um, like those bad memories I think in a sense they are very impactful and shaping who one is today but do you think someone should be associated with those decisions the rest of their lives like all the the mistakes and regrets that they that they do do you think it's people um are able to forgive or do you think that should be stuck with them the rest of their lives uh, i think that's a very easy question right it's so your question was should they still be categorized for their mistakes, right? Or associated with their mistakes. If the person has changed and moved on from their mistakes, the answer is, yeah, they should be no longer associated with that because that's not the person that they are anymore, right? That is an easy answer. And that is not what happens in the real world, right? Um, we look at people 
histories and we make decisions and judgments based off that, right? Um, and we, it is difficult from an external perspective of knowing, okay, what are the things that they regretted and what are the things that they didn't regret, okay? And I think that's the big fact unknown when we make judgments about people about this. We don't know what people treat as their own mistakes and their own regrets. And because of that, we can't help but still associate their past um, misdoings with the person that they are right now. Because we have no idea what they regret and, and stuff. Yeah, going off the, I was just going to say, yeah, we don't know from an outside perspective. We don't know if someone has truly changed or if they're just saying that um, only one oneself could know like if they truly changed and they truly regret it. But yeah, like Jonathan said, in reality, like outside people can't can't know that for sure. So okay. I think it's kind of natural that people will always be associated with a certain action un- unless that outside perspective outside outside person truly like knows the person who's saying they change and they like regret their actions. So do you guys know who Chris Harrison is? No. Okay, so he's he's uh-huh. um, the host of The Bachelor. Have you guys heard of The Bachelor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so apparently there was a contestant on The Bachelor that made fun of people in high school for dating black guys. Mm-hmm. And she's on The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. And Chris Harrison was asked a question about this. And his response, I don't really know his response, but essentially he was canceled for that. And he's taking time off the show. And I think this kind of relates to what we're talking about where you know like people will forgive him over time other people won't and how do you know that you know if he is if he does come back as the host and he comes back and how do you know he's not going to make the same mistake because you guys said that only they can truly know but how how will we ever know that he's truly changed and he's um you know it's it's tough yeah um i like that question because we know what it should be right we know that we should only judge a person from or who they are right now but the reality of it is that we don't know everything about the person that they are now every day they're changing how are we going to ever find out in one moment who an individual fully is you know and so it's it it is only natural for us to make judgments based on their own past i have a follow-up question to this it's about whether you guys have ever experienced not wanting to talk or hang out with a person because the version of you that they have in your head is outdated and you know that and it's hard for you know that it's difficult for you to change that image of who you who you are in their minds and so you just kind of just refuse to meet or like you just don't want to hang out or you're afraid to hang you're out you're just you're just uncomfortable with, with hanging you're uncomfortable out. with it because yeah. that's you know that that person that they have in your head it's not you anymore has that ever happened to you? And if so, uh, how did you feel? And if it hasn't, right? Well, I don't know if I have a follow-up question. I guess you can kind of respond in whatever way. In the meantime, right, while you guys think about that, I just want to resp- quickly respond to Daniel's thing about uh, David Harrison, Daniel Harrison? What's his name? Chris Harrison. Chris Harrison. Uh, Chris Harrison. Um, just looking at like the headline, right? He came under scrutiny or... He took, he's taking some time off because he defended someone who uh, was being scrutinized on social media for something about their past. Is that a good TLDR? 
right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I think it depends. It has the individual reform, has the individual admitted to his or her mistakes, um, misdoings in the past, right? And is that individual a different individual now from when she or he or she posted those scrutinizing posts, scrutinized posts, right? If they are different, they have reformed, then I feel like it makes sense to defend that person because you should, all, I feel as though you should try and always, I could be wrong on this, but I feel as though you should try and judge a person on based on who they are right now, right? Then who they once were. Obviously that's very difficult, but that should be the goal. Um, and if they haven't reformed, then shame on them because they haven't learned from their mistakes. Um, but uh, again, I don't know the full context of this situation, but that is the immediate response I have to that anic situation. Yeah. So I wanted to answer um, the question about meeting up with people um, who know you from your outdated self. Mm-hmm. So I have like a lot of people, my, my family know when I was a kid, I was a very, like, really, really quiet, like, even more quiet than I am now. And whenever, like, I I see them, I kind of just really just, I end up just muting myself, you know, like, in real life, I'm muting myself. And I don't know, it just makes me feel like a little kid, like, that I'm not able to, I'm not able to respond like a normal human being. And I just become this really small version of myself. And I'm afraid to show them to show them my other aspects of my personality mm-hmm. other than like being quiet. And that makes me feel like you know, it just makes me feel really uncomfortable. Um it's really weird, you know, it's like the people you meet when you're more talkative, like you can kind of just be yourself with those people. But then like when you when you meet someone that know you for your past self, you I kind of revert to my to my my past self because I don't want to show them who I am now. Mm-hmm. I kind of show them the marbles that they are used they, to seeing. Already seen, yeah. David, do you have any response? No, um, well, I was thinking through this. I was just kind of found it kind of interesting that I think the marbles I've been showing throughout my whole life mm-hmm. have been mm-hmm. kind of very similar to everybody. Like maybe like which my, is good, right? Uh, yeah, I think the. Um, yes, yes, I think that's a good thing. This is, um, I'm always just being myself. I think the only things that's like, that, um, not discourages, but that keeps me away from hanging out with like people from the past is just my interests have changed. But in regards to like personality, I don't think that's played a huge factor in like, um, the concept of not showing my updated self. I think that's not that's not really an issue I faced. And I just found it interesting because I never really thought about it, about my like personality not really changing that much. It was like, I think maybe like along the years, my personality has changed for like a little bit better. Like I'm becoming a little bit more talkative and just, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm just trying to continuously improve. But yeah, I just want to say it was interesting to think about how, like I think I'm always just being myself around the people I hang out around mm-hmm. with. Yeah, Dan, can I respond to your thing about like your par- your folks and family? Yeah. I think your parent, I think your parents, I don't mean your parents literally, but I just mean our parents are 
a very good example of what we're trying to talk about right now. Your parents have an image of you, right? And it's very difficult for them to change that image of you. You know that a lot of parents still see their kid as a, as a kid, right? Like okay. from however old, like maybe six years old, maybe from middle school, you maybe from whatever years that they want to remember you from, no matter how old you get, they're kind of just going to still look at you like that. Right. Yeah. Let me tell you what I've felt over the past couple of years. My freshman, sophomore year, I felt as though those were some of the most reforming years of my entire life. Okay. My experience at Cornell uh, has really changed who I am, has really broadened my field or what I can see about the world, my depth of knowledge about the world, as well as breadth. And me trying to, knowing that I have changed and trying to talk to people like my family, like my folks who still see me as high school me or middle school me or even elementary school me, okay? <clears throat> That's very frustrating. It is only recently through, the, through me getting a good job, me almost graduating college, me showing that when I came back home for about a year when this pandemic hit, that I can be self-functioning, that is very independent. Like I do my own laundry. I cook for myself. I cook for my entire family now, actually. But uh, being able to show that only now has it been able to change their kind of view on who I am, you know? And so I totally vibe with that frustration that you feel when your family kind of sees you one way and you feel as though you kind of have to be pulled back into that old box, you know? Um, and it was a struggle for the past few years trying to get out of that box. That's all I want to say to share. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I was talking to a friend and they recently just started like dating someone. And then I asked them, hey, have you um, have you told your parents about this? And then he was he was like, he's like, no, man, it's I know I should, but it feels really weird. And, you know, I feel like a little kid that I'm not able to to tell them these personal things about me. And I think that that really hits it on the head like because they have a perception of our parents have a perception of us. And it's weird because we're trying to take ourselves out of the boxes that they put us in and put us into new boxes. And it's, it's, it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know, like over the past year that I spent at home with my family, my, my mom, right. Particularly my mom, my dad, perspective of me has changed drastically my dad and I are like very close friends now more more less like a parent to like child relationship now it's grown to be a very friend to friend mutual advice kind of thing like I understand that he's growing older right he needs to uh get along with the times and I'm trying to help him with that as well as him trying to help me out with things that I'm inexperienced with he helped me with stock he helped me with like he gives me advice, life advice, right? That you can only get from years of living, right? And so it's become this symbiotic relationship. My mom, on the other hand, I'm still very much a ch her child to her, okay? That is very difficult to change, I've realized. Um, I've grown very frustrated with my mom. I've told her many times too that she, she there's, there's nagging, okay? Which I'm okay with. 
And then there's her, uh, there's her worrying about me that frustrates me because I know that she shouldn't have to do that anymore. I don't want her to worry about me as she would do. Like, have you been eating well, right? I'm like, mom, you know, I can cook for myself. You know, I cook for you all the time. You don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. But it's only natural for her because of her image of me, right? Um, that's something I've grown to be kind of, and I wouldn't call that nagging, right? That's not nagging. That's just her checking up uh, whether her kid has eaten or not. That's not nagging. That's not nitpicking. Um, but that's something I wish she didn't have to do, right? I, 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 I felt so frustrated with trying to change that, that box she has placed me into in her own mind. I realized being able to change one's pre preconceived notion of you. That's very difficult. Even if it's your own mom, you know. A big reason why I think this this past year I've seen a lot of growth in terms of like what I can tell my my family. I think a big part of it is because I've been home a lot more. Usually, I can separate my personal life with my um, with my school life, my professional life. So it's yeah. So because like my two worlds have been converging, I haven't been able to separate work from from family that I'm kind of becoming a hybrid of the two um, like I've told you guys that I was like more I was more I'm more soft-spoken in certain groups at school and I think I'm becoming a lot more vocal in those groups over zoom maybe it's because they're seeing like new hybrid me like a mixture of of family me where I can just I can just speak my mind and without a worry and then but as well as like uh, on the flip side, like my family is seeing more professional me, uh, like what I find interesting, like what other things I can talk about other than me being their child. So, yeah. I feel like it becomes a lot easier. What I realize is the more marbles that you show, right? The, if we have this mar big marble, uh, marble bag, right? And let's say that that is what you really are. And we have these different bags that we give to people as being a little package of who you are, right? the bigger or the more complete the bag that you give to people, the more they're able to change that image of you, right? Now, that's what I feel with my own mom. The more and more I was able to share things about myself, about me, I don't know, let's say like my love life or my career, career uh, path, as well as like my academic <clears throat> endeavors, my friends, right? The more, the bigger the bag I can share with her, the easier it is for her to get rid of the outdated marbles and replace it with the new marbles, right? I think that's the main difficulty. She's holding on to these old marbles because that's all she has because I don't share enough things with her, right? Yeah. The more and more marbles that you are able to share with her, the more and more she's able to pick and choose which ones are outdated and which ones aren't. Going off of that, so it seems like um, to help someone like better understand and not have, not show, not be afraid to show your um, outdated self, kind of need to be more open with the person. So going off of with being with more open with the person, then um, I feel like being open with the person takes a lot of confidence, kind of self-confidence in yourself and a lot of bravery. It's like self-confidence, a huge part in kind of showing your updated self. Definitely. Like how, mm, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think um, we mentioned earlier that 
that showing more sides of yourself, like the fear of that stems from insecurity and things that you don't really like about yourself, even though necessarily you might not have to be insecure about. So I think self-confidence is a huge thing. Uh, if you're not able, if you're not, if you're not confident in yourself and who you are, and you, you, you can't accept that, it's, it's very difficult to, to be open with other people and show them like more sides of you. Yeah, that's my short answer. I really like this analogy of this marbles and bags thing. The reason being is it's a very flexible analogy that we can use to try and explain difficult concepts, you know, like, so, yeah. Was it you, Dan, that you brought up? I think it was you that brought up the red marbles and blue marbles. And we just yeah. only been building on top of that. <laughs> yeah, it's, nice, it's a nice mental model for us. Yeah, yeah, nice. How about um, you, David? Like, how come you never invite us to your house? Is, is that, does that, um, does that stem from you being a different person at home versus at friends or you just don't like us being at your house? I think it stems off of confidence in not anything to do with personality, but confidence in my house being fun. It's just, my I feel like my house doesn't have much to do. So I wouldn't want to invite my friends over because I don't know what we would be doing besides just hanging out in the bedroom. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. That's, that's like the main reason why I don't invite people to my house. Okay, that's valid. Like back in like up in NorCal where I'm like living with my friends, I'm like down to invite people just because there's a lot of things to do. But yeah, it's not, it doesn't have to do anything with the personality thing. I don't know if you guys ever experienced this, but like when I'm out of the house cussing, I guess like with you guys, it feels kind of natural. Like they're just regular words to me. But then when I'm at home, like it, it feels like, very very wrong just to say words you know and yesterday like i i said a word because it was in a movie right and i just said it out loud and i'm like wow that felt really wrong just to say that out loud in front of like my family and and yeah i don't know that was, that was that's just an anecdote i wanted to bring up no that's a good anecdote because it's a no it only builds on top of our existing model right or yeah yeah it's a good thing i real i so personally with like I have begun to use it more selectively as um, using it for impact points when I'm trying to make a point across for example my little brother right like sometimes like if I'm cursing all the time it don't mean much besides uh, a filler in what I say but like when I do you if you use it selectively then I realize that it can really drive a point home so okay that's how I've been using it they just a uh, just a tangent, but with, with the with the cuss words and like just using it very selectively, can you just like change the tone of how you use it, and that that can create a new impact too. Yeah, can I you, mean, well, what do you mean? Can you give us an example? Um. Okay. Let, let's just like just like the the duck. Let's just use duck. If duck is a uh the the slur, and you you're like ah duck in. I, I went to duck in school with duck and sucked. But then when you're mad, you're like, what the duck, man? Like if you say it in, in that tone, it, I think it could like differentiate like the emphasis point too. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I just mean that you can add more impact in those moments had you not spoken those words 
in the other other occasions, right? Like oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. I was just making a point. <laughs> oh no, no, yeah. Tone, tone is definitely a big uh, contributing factor to us. Yeah, I really like this conversation. It kind of veered off from yeah. like our original like you finding you, but I kind of think we, kinda, we stayed in in the lines. You know, we yeah. had a general topic, but you know, we kind of just made up our own ideas, our own thought processes, and yeah, I like I kind of like this this podcast. One thing I want to point out is that over the conversation that we had today, the definition of you that we kind of used was kind of more along the lines of what other people perceive you to be, rather than you from an internalized stance. You know, like not you from like okay your consciousness or you from like this entity, but more as you from the perceptions of others. I think that's something interesting that we just subconsciously kind of organize for ourselves in order to have a meaningful conversation. Because if we are changing what we're using you at the definition of you at, uh, as, it would be very difficult to have a meaningful conversation and be on the same pages about different things. So just want to make that point. Do you think there's a disconnect or do you think they're the same thing? What, like the internalized and the external? Yeah. Oh, I think there is a huge, well, not huge. You can't really measure, but I think there is a difference, definitely, depending on what definition of you we kind of, or what we define you to be. I think you, we can have different conversations. Like, think about how this conversation would have been different if we were just purely talking about you from the perspective of a neuroscience perspective or you from the perspective of you as a conscious entity, you know, um, or you from a more like religious uh, perspective, you know, it's, it's like we could have had totally different conversations today. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's a, a conversation for all different for podcasts time. for another yeah. time. Yeah. All right. All right. Just, just one, like one last question. Like I, I, I feel like we did touch upon it, but it's just a question of, is there ever a time when, hold on, let me look it up. Um, is there ever a time when it's too much to change themselves? It's too much. Or is all change like positive? Like we touched upon how change, when you're changing yourself, you're, it's still you. It's still you in the process. But I was kind of curious of, is there ever a point when it's too much and you kind of lose yourself in the process? Okay, so let's make sure we're on the same page again. We're still using you from the perspective of others, right? Of others, okay. yeah. Okay. And is there ever a point where changing you um, is too much um, with that definition of mind? By like too much, I mean like negative. Okay, like sure. What do you mean? Uh, never mind. Like you can make negative changes, but I don't think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about like, like so much change to a point where there is a negative relief. I mean, you can change to the point where you are unrecognizable, right? In the eyes of others, mm -hmm. right? Like let's say you come home one day from serving in war and you have severe PTSD. You, you, you have, or okay, bad example. Now let's say that you came home and you are a totally different individual from who you are through some like 
many years and your your parents see you and they're not you're, that's not the person that that you were the last time they saw you you know i mean i think that can be bad. i think that's bad i don't know if it's necessarily bad but i think that can be bad and that is one example of where it can be bad when you basically lost a child because that isn't um the person that came back isn't your child anymore so bad in in the context of others yeah uh, now, now that now that Jonathan's like going through the examples, I, I think what I meant was internally. You know, oh, like you when, mean internally? I have an answer to that. I have an answer to that. I think it's when, it's when y- your external self changes so much that your internal self or like how you perceive yourself doesn't necessarily align with the person people view yourself as, and there is like a very stark disconnect between the two you know and then like you're kind of just you're kind of just struggling with what um who am i like am i do i want to be this or when i want to when like deep down i know i'm this and like there is a very stark disconnect i think that's when it can cause trouble it's like when when your internal self doesn't like the image that other people see mm-hmm. David, I still am failing to grasp the original question then. Yeah. Do you mean it from like an internalized perspective? So like you from like a, like you're conscious. When is it bad that you change, you're changed your conscious so much? Yeah. So originally, yeah. Yeah. So originally you answered it in the way I still like externally, but after listening to your example of like the child and the parent, I realized Mm -hmm. my question was about the, through internally consciously like one reflecting on oneself and oh okay then like i think daniel hit it right on the nail yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i was just gonna say when when they don't like the self-image that they're portraying you know it's like it's like um you know in all those movies where they look at their reflection and then yep it's their the realization that's what i'm referring Mm -hmm. to you know it's like they're like man i really don't like this version of me and then that's it's like, the, like the that's like the turning point in the movies like in mulan you know it's i was like just re- gonna say that yeah re- reflection and then all of a sudden she um she goes off and and does mulan stuff but i think like that realization like when your internal self realizes um their external self is not doesn't align with who they want to be that's when it's that's when it's it's bad i think we need a better definition of bad I'm just thinking what what I meant by bad. I think I was just talking about if it's ever like negative, like negatively up impact yourself. Mm, because like I think your ex it can be bad and you might not even realize it. Uh-huh. Like for example, you're um like in college, like you're a first year in college and you, you never go out, you're kind of shy, but like when you when you go to college, you kind of just wild out go to a bunch of parties and you make this version of yourself that you're not mm-hmm. and it's like self-destructive but you don't realize it you uh, only it's only bad when you when you realize it's bad when your internal self um realizes that it doesn't like the person other people perceive them as Dan, i really like that point nice well well put i think this was a very productive podcast today yeah Thanks for bringing up the topic, David. Any insights this week, guys? Um, My insight, I feel like it could be its own podcast topic, so I'll refrain.
David? <laughs> Ball is fun. <laughs> not not much deep insight, but I, I just bringing it back to ball was just super fun. <laughs> Actually, got one. Jonathan, do you want to go first? Uh, no, I'll, I'll, you can go first. Okay, so I watched Avengers two yesterday. Uh-huh. And that movie is actually really good. Like if you if you watch it, um, after, Civil War. No, no, no. Age of Ultron. Ah. So it's they make a lot of references to future movies, and like mm. I never would have noticed that in 2015 because I've never watched those movies. So right the movies that follow Age of Ultron is like Civil War. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff hinting at Civil War. Black Panther. Yeah. Um, what is this nation? Wakanda. Wakanda. Right, that Wakanda? scene. Is that what you're... No, <laughs> yeah. no, yeah, it's Wakanda. But there's yeah. a scene that where Bruce uh, Banner is doing some research, and he's like, "What is this nation that starts with a W?" Right, and then it's a reference to Black Panther. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of references. I yeah. really like MCU. Yeah, and then like, um, I've been watching like WandaVision and stuff, so there there was a reference to that. Uh, but that that that's not my point. But like, my point was, I really miss going to the movies, and uh-huh. I think the reason why I miss going to the movies is because when you're at the movies like you have they have your undivided attention and there's no distractions mm-hmm. to distract you with i think a, a big reason why i've just been feeling really mentally burnt out and i can't concentrate on anything is because i have so many distractions at my desk you know like when i'm when i'm in lecture i can just go on my phone and no one's going to know or i can just like fidget with with something in my desk you know i tend to fidget a lot i don't know why um but I really miss going to the movies because, you know, I miss having being in like a very focused state where I can just focus on one thing. And that's something I really miss. But that was my, that's, that's an additional insight for me. Yeah, that's a great insight. Um, mine is just so dumb. It was uh, kind of geeky too. I don't know if you want to hear it, but uh, um, modeling the distribution of, uh, of hair on your body the probability probability distribution it was okay I, I'm, it was hair it was it was originally pubic hair but now okay. it started to be hair the reason why i say that is because sometimes like you have <laughs> sometimes you have like statistical outliers you know what i mean <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah and uh it kind of messes around with this like three-dimensional <laughs> distribution <laughs> okay <laughs> 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 yeah that, that's that's all i have to say let's wrap okay. it up with that i've actually been thinking of waxing my arms i don't know oh, how you why? guys feel about that i, I don't know i feel like your legs but why arms i feel like arm hair is just very kind of kind of gross looking arm hair i see well i don't have much arm hair i'm like i don't think i have i I know so many more. I know so many girls that have more arm hair than me. Oh. <laughs> so it's like sometimes I just like, damn, you're an ape. <laughs> I think more just like this part of my arm, less forearm, uh-huh. but like I don't know. I feel like uh-huh. as I get older, I'm get, I'm becoming more hairy, and I don't know. I feel like I think it would look nicer if I had hairless arms. What do you guys think? Bro, just embrace it. <laughs> it's my personality. <laughs> What do you think, David? It's still you, man. I like I like my hairs on my arms personally. Okay. Uh, I gotta consult some people about that. I'd be down to grow facial hair, but I can't. I, yeah. I, I just can't. 
Yeah, me either. I, I barely have eyebrows. <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else, guys? That's it. All right. So that, mm-hmm. does, that wraps it up. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next week. See you guys next week.